digital world-class finance organization tends to have 25% more specialists and over 50% higher staffing levels focused around planning, forecasting, and analysis, while at the same time having about 28% fewer people focused on transactional work. And they do this all while operating at a 33% lower cost. Welcome to the Hackett Group's Business Acceleration Podcast. Week after week, you'll hear from top experts on how to avoid obstacles, manage detours, and celebrate milestones on the journey to world-class performance. Welcome. I'm Gary Baker, Global Communications Director for the Hackett Group. On this week's Business Acceleration Podcast, we'll be completing a four-part series covering our new digital world-class research with an overview of findings relating to corporate finance. I'm joined for this discussion by Principal and Global Finance Advisory Leader, Jim O'Connor, and also by Sean Fitzgerald, who is a Senior Research Director in our Finance Advisory Practice. Welcome to both of you, gentlemen. Hi, Gary. Thank you. Happy to be here. Okay. To get things started, Jim, why should finance care about reimagining themselves? What's the motivation? Well, you know, that's a good question, but one is to be dramatic. They, you got to survive or die, right? And there is a lot going on in markets today that finance should be part of their organization, try to manage that. And maybe a little more empirically, we do a study every year and have for the last 18 years. And a top five goal of finance for at least the last five of those is to be an effective business partner. And in a world with inflation, with a pending slowdown or or dare I say recession or ongoing concern about pandemics, talent shortages, finance needs to be there to help the business uh, achieve. That's a great start. Sean, what does the Hackett Group mean when we say digital world class? How can we kind of quantify the real benefit in terms of business outcomes? So at the Hackett Group, we've developed this uh, Hackett value grid to uh, articulate what we mean by digital world class. And it's a two by two model that looks at the dimension of business value, which includes effectiveness, stakeholder experience, and digital business enablement. And then the other dimension is operational excellence and encompassed there is efficiency and business process automation. Now, what we often find are for various functions, finance included, is you'll have companies that really focus on one or the other dimension, not both. So we also look at kind of these different personas. So in the four personas we really look at with digital world class are we have peers, which is, you know, all companies, if you will. And then you've got companies that focus just on that business value leadership. So the top decile or top 10% of companies that perform across business value, we call business value leaders. And on the other dimension, you have companies, which is the third persona, that just focus on efficiency, lowering costs and that operational excellence dimension. And so we look at the, that's also the top 10% of companies that fall into that operational excellence. But the digital world-class companies really have done a great job of balancing the tensions and competing priorities sometimes of both business value and operational excellence. So a digital world-class finance organization is in the top 25% of performance criteria that we have here at the Hackett Group for both business value and operational excellence. And they manage that tension effectively over time. And it does result in them really having superior performance. And you know, kind of think about the athlete that, you know, trains well, 
we see it in the results of these businesses. So as an example, companies that have attained digital world class in their finance over five years, our own data shows that they typically have an 83% higher net margin. They have an 82% higher return on equity. They tend to have a 13% higher EBITDA margin, and they provide a 55% on average greater shareholder return uh, to their constituents. So when we define world-class with that grid, it's not just interesting, it's compelling because the results bear that out. Jim, what levers would you say finance organizations need to pull to truly affect transformation to digital world-class? It's a good question, and I get it a lot of time. I do think it's important before they do that, they've got to buy into what Sean said, right? So it is compelling. There's compelling advantages that Sean mentioned empirically to doing that. And it's important to balance that that value with that operational excellence. To get there is another case. You know, there's we study what it takes to get there. We've codified thousands of best practices, but you can break it down into a few big levers, I like to think of. And I'll just kind of list them out. The first three are kind of a little more technology or digital enablement. So one is technology enablement. So what I really mean by that is what tools can we use to improve our processes and our life, basically? How do we do work better? The second is data and analytics. So you're going to have to improve your insights and the integrity of your data so that you can make better business decisions to drive value. And then third is you got to modernize your overall architecture. So if you're going to get to that digital world class that Sean talked about, it's going to take a lot of change, right? It's going to take more than maybe I just upgraded my SAP or, hey, I went in and added one stream. You've got to look systemically at your architecture and how you're going to get there. Those are all critical. And then there's also just core strategic or best practices, a little more process org or, or policy related. One you've got to really think about your operating model and how are you deploying your services to the broader organization and where do you deploy resources and what partners do you use and what kind of talent do you develop? So those are all critical. Another critical one we see somewhat related to that is that the leaders tend to orient themselves in an end-to-end process perspective. So they're starting with what the customer needs and drawing that in, less so of a functional silo. That's been around for a long time. That's gotten even more prescient with the advent of the, and more adoption of digital technology. We can do work anywhere across any barrier. So that's a huge enabler. And then finally, it takes people, right? At the end of the day, that's probably the most important one is you've got to find, develop, and retain talent in order to move towards that digital world-class status. Sean, can you paint a picture for us of the key differences between digital world-class finance organizations and the peers, uh, both organizationally and in terms of performance? You know, as you would imagine, function follows form. And what we see for digital world-class finance organizations is they staff fundamentally and resource fundamentally different than the peer groups. And just to give you a couple examples, so... um, A digital world-class finance organization tends to have 25% more specialists and over 50% higher staffing levels focused around planning, forecasting, and analysis, while at the same time having about 28% fewer 
people or belly buttons, as I call them, focused on transactional work because they tend to use technology more efficiently at a, at a greater degree. And so a lot of that non-value or low-value added transaction work has been automated for those organizations. And they do this all while operating at a 33% lower cost for the management and administration uh, staffing levels for those digital world-class finance organizations versus their peers. And so that's the form and the function is really quite profound. So if you think about those two dimensions that make up digital world-class of both business value and operational excellence... From a business value standpoint, digital world-class are over 2.2 times more likely to use modeling techniques in their analyses. They're 23% more likely to be viewed as a valued business partner outside of the finance function to other parts of leadership and operations. They not only do more analysis, they have a 23% higher degree of forecast reliability, which is significant for both revenue and earnings purposes. And they spend almost two-thirds, 64% more time on analysis versus trying to find the data and put it all in one place to then perform the analysis. So, you know, they're using their time more intelligently and more effectively. And then from a, from a cost standpoint, those digital world-class uh, operational excellence dimensions, they operate at overall 42% lower cost than peers. They have a 27% shorter close to report cycle than peers. And they're over uh, 7.8 times more likely to have supplier invoices submitted electronically, all while producing almost 90% fewer business reports. So, so while they're doing more analysis, they're focused on the things that matter. And a quick anecdote in one of my prior corporate roles is I had a supply chain director. He wanted 60 supply chain metrics. And I asked him how he was going to manage the function differently. And he wanted a brag book just for, uh, for the monthly and quarterly reviews with management. And we handed them probably a half a dozen that included not just traditional supply chain, but also the cycle times and turns. And we were actually able to improve the business performance of the supply chain for that manufacturer by just focusing on a handful of things as, a, as an example of, you know, producing fewer reports, but reporting the things that matter that you can influence is a, is a key differentiator for digital world-class finance organizations. So the takeaway here is, you know, they staff differently because they are leveraging technology and they've got that and then process ownership that Jim just talked about. And um, they're intelligent with how they deploy their talent uh, for value add, as opposed to just, you know, more of the non-value add transactional stuff, which we see a lot of peer companies still struggling with. So, so those are some key differences, both function and form of a digital world-class organization. Jim, you talked earlier about the levers that finance organizations need to pull. Uh, which would you say are the most effective at driving digital world-class performance improvements? You know, that's the million-dollar question, Gary, and, it, and it's a good one. And of course, I'm going to give you a consultant answer. It depends. But that said, we've done a lot of research and there is one area of those six that is going to get you there and get you there quicker. And that is digital adoption, right? So that is going after technology enablement. And typically, we'll see people start with that kind of in the finance operations area where there are big gaps in cost, big gaps in efficiency, big gaps in effectiveness in terms of cycle times and decision-making. And once they tackle that, they can then expand to some of those other levers I talked about that are equally important, but analytics is probably the next most important. When you think about technology enablement, that's a big word and covers a lot. So I don't want to oversimplify that, right? 
that could be application of a lot of different technologies. And it's not just a one size fit all. So back to my point that it depends. I wouldn't want someone to walk away and say, hey, I'm going to go find three technologies and implement them. You've got to know your strategy and you've got to think through your strategy and how are you going to apply that and where are you going to apply technology such that you're most impacting the value and the effectiveness of, of your business. It harks me back to a client that I worked with years ago, Ray, was CFO of an entertainment company, and their industry was changing dramatically, and he was getting a lot of pressure to improve their shared services, lower costs, all through automation and process change, and those are all good things. But as he thought about their strategy and they realized they were going to survive through acquisition and his finance organization didn't have good M&A capabilities. They invested in people side and they invested in tools that would help them create a playbook and do the analytics around those acquisitions so that they could be more successful. So that was a long-winded answer. It depends, but the biggest empirical differentiator we've seen is digital adoption. Sean, can you talk a little more about the impact of digital transformation on the total cost of the finance function? You know, we analyze costs quite a bit as part of our comprehensive metric set. And, you know, one of the things that really stands out is, you know, finance uh, costs as a percentage of revenue for all companies, not just digital world class, but peers and business value and operational excellence leaders. Uh, continues to come down. Um, you know, budgets are always compressed as companies are growing and, you know, finance traditionally has been seen as overhead. But as we've talked earlier, that digital world-class finance is seen as a business partner. And I often talk about value as uh, you always define it as utility over cost, and it should be greater than one. And what we see is digital world-class finance organizations, you know, when comparing to an index uh, of 100% back in 2011, Digital world-class finance organizations have always operated about 50% of the cost of, of the peers. So they've always run leaner and delivered more utility for that cost point, uh, i.e. delivering greater value in that equation. And what we see in 2021 is the fact that um, these digital world-class organizations are operating at 44% of that 2011 index. So while they, they have come down a little bit in terms of their cost, they're delivering a lot more than digital world-class organizations, and they're you know, basically upscaling their, their capability, again, leveraging that technology. And as, as Jim just talked about, you know, we used to have a saying when I was at Allied Signal Honeywell that to, to buy technology without strategy or process is to go zero to chaos at the speed of light. And so you know, digital world-class finance organizations, they're smart with their spend, they're conservative with their operating cost structure, but they deliver more value because they have invested in these technologies as part of a comprehensive strategy, which allows them to do it in a cost-effective, cost-intelligent way. And, uh, you know, we know these great companies, you know, they, they develop multi-year plans to, you know, take that digital world-class uh, finance transformation. And, you know, to quote the old military saying, you know, it's important to have a plan, but understand that no plan survives first contact. So that plan is going to evolve as you undertake your digital transformation uh, to become digital world class, you know, you need to have a plan, but you also need to be adaptive in that plan as technologies and priorities change. And using the example that Jim gave on the entertainment model, 
example where you got to know what your core competencies are for the business and then align accordingly. But digital world-class finance organizations do that in a much more cost-effective way than peers and other companies. Jim, we've talked about what digital world-class can help finance achieve, but can you address some of the top change activities that, that organizations are undertaking? Sure, happy to. And of course, that gets to we know why we should do it. We know what it is. How the heck do we get it done? And I, I tend to think in terms of both traits or culture and actions. And so we see some common traits and we've studied this and instinct and interaction with clients would support this as well. But one of the most common things is you have to establish a clear transformation roadmap and you have to secure executive support. So Actually, I think it's Sean that has said, I've heard him say it a couple of times, you know, you can talk about pilot purgatory, right? But you've got to scale and you've got to be ready to go after it. And so those that do well have a roadmap and have executive support. The other thing that they do better than the others, and again, empirically, we've looked at this, is they measure their results. So it's not enough to just say, hey, we're going to do this and... I know it's popular, you can go out and claim success, but actually rigorously track your progress over time, then you're going to achieve that. So, you know, traits is one thing, and then actions, which I think really was the gist of your questions, what are the kind of things they're doing? And typically it starts with, and I mentioned this earlier, some kind of process optimization, and often that's digital, but it can be um, it can be automating your finance operations, but it can also be adopting a standard, looking end to end. So really good process information along with that technology. As you start to optimize, then you'll typically see people start to build out new capabilities or really start to take the look at their modern architecture that I talked about. And the most common capability our clients are going after now, and it's bared out in our studies as well, is People are going after reporting and analytics, and they're going after improving their planning and forecasting. And then finally, they're trying to engage their customers better along with their people. So when you think about what kind of capabilities do I build out, that's it. And then they're starting to build that long-term architecture that I talked about. And that can take many forms from a ERP and rationalizing your systems to establishing data governance and a source of truth to really going after poignant or specific solutions in areas of space that are important to you using smart, smart automation or AI or other types of tools available today. And then finally, to round it off, and it's not necessarily linear, is how do you organize, which I talked about before. So we see a lot of projects especially today about optimizing your hybrid work strategy and thinking about your over-operating model. So there's a lot going on, but it, I think it's important first to kind of think about what are traits or practices that people use that are successful at transformation. And I hit those, and then hopefully that gives you a flavor of the most prominent types of projects and initiatives we see as people move towards that goal. Okay, and we've covered a lot of ground and, and we're just about out of time. Uh, Sean, any closing thoughts and advice for organizations on how they can raise the bar on their own journey to uh, digital world-class finance? This is kind of, you know, the overarching guidance we give folks here at the Hackett Group. And obviously we've got libraries and libraries of KPIs, data, best practices, and other resources. 
But it really is about, you know, that journey to digital world-class finance requires uh, digital adoption and acceleration of these technologies. And we talked about, you know, some of the data points of digital world-class finance perform better at a lower cost. But, you know, there's some context, right? We face continued and extreme economic and business disruptions, you know, pandemic, supply chain issues, uh, geopolitical issues, uh, the R word that Jim mentioned, potential recession. We've got uh, the great resignation with all-time low unemployment rates. So, you know, finding qualified people for a lot of this work uh, can be augmented or, or eliminated or transition with technology so you can do more with fewer people. And, you know, we have this, this, you know, there's a lot of uncertainty in the future and about the future. And businesses, I think a big part of, you know, enabling these digital technologies as part of that digital world-class finance build-out, which is organization, people, process, standard work, et cetera, all of that analysis that those digital world-class finance organizations are doing is, in, is contextually informed. You know, that's the other advantage of using technology is you can get more contextual data in real time so that you are making business decisions that are appropriate for the environments that you're operating in and the threats that you're facing. And also, you know, to be able to leverage and take advantage of, of opportunities as they arise. So there is this push to, you know, accelerate digital adoption. We've got a lot of challenges companies are faced with, you know, and being able to master the complexity and all these competing priorities is hard. And uh, this is, you know, keeps people up at night, especially a lot of leaders. But the good news is we're not starting from scratch. We've, you know, we at the Hackett have a bunch of best practices and experience and data that, that not only companies follow, but empirically we can measure that they perform better as we've talked about in the course of this discussion. And so really it is, you know, uh, getting that technology adoption, but doing it in the context of a strategy and a plan, as I said before, you know, you really need to have a roadmap that envisions what you're going to look like post-transformation or post-digital world-class, and then work the plan and implement and measure and incent. So at the end of the day, it's really about, you know, how do you create finance capability for digital world-class that gives you speed scale. And a lot of people say agility, but I think it's about adaptability because the dynamic business environment, mergers, acquisitions, divestitures, rapidly changing regulatory requirements all require uh, scalable adaptability. And uh, I think a lot of this technology and a lot of these other digital world-class best practices are the only way that finance can both be a valued business partner and, and create value as you know more utility for less cost. So uh, it's definitely a journey worth taking. And uh, it's really exciting to see companies, you know, uh, achieve digital world class in finance and other functions and then watch them shine relative to their competition. So uh, those are my closing thoughts. Thanks to both of you for joining me today. Um, FYI for our listeners, all of our digital world class research pieces are available as complimentary downloads with registration from the Hack Group's website. And good luck on your journey. Thanks for listening. You can find the audio helpful resources, and a transcript of each episode at podcast.thehackagroup.com. If you liked this episode, please share it. You can also subscribe at Apple Podcasts or your favorite listening app so you never miss an episode. We'd welcome your feedback by tapping the rating on this or any episode, or send us an email at podcast at thehackagroup.com. The Hackett Group is a global leader in defining and enabling world-class performance. Learn how we can assist with your improvement journey at www.thehackagroup.com.